Welcome to Covenant Conversations. Today, your host, Peter Washington and I, Shweta Rao, will speak about J.Crew blockers. Hey, Peter, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. So last week in our Covenant Conversations podcast, uh, we covered Surta Simmons and the controversial tactic used by it for a priority debt recapitalization. Today, we're going to discuss another liability management maneuver, which has been used more often than that which was used in Surta Simmons by a number of companies starting from J. Crone, Marcus Betsmart, and more recently this year by Travelport, Cirque du Soleil, and what was the last one, Peter? Party City. Party City. That's the one. Okay. And in response to what the market now knows as pulling a J. Crew, a few years ago, issuers, rather investors, demanded protection and a provision called a J.Crew blocker was inserted in some bonds and loans. More often seen in the U.S. Peter, tell us about this J.Crew blocker provision. What is this provision? Well, essentially, uh, what what these provi- what these provisions are trying to do is they are trying to block or restrict or significantly limit a company's ability to transfer assets, and usually it's uh, material intellectual property. But uh, in, in some cases, it's just any assets. Uh, they, they try to uh, block these companies from transferring these assets to unrestricted subsidiaries um, just because once collateral assets are transferred to unrestricted subsidiaries, the liens on the collateral are automatically released. And because the unrestricted subsidiaries are not subject to the negative covenants under the debt documents, um, they can pretty much do whatever they want with the uh, transferred collateral. Just to remind our listeners, what has what have these unrestricted subsidiaries done, uh, which requires investors to uh, want this these transfers to be blocked? Uh, well, I, I mean, for the most part, um, it, it's been um, so in in J Crew, in um, in Travelport, in Cirque du Soleil, it, and I believe in Party City, it's been uh, transfers of their IP, and and generally. Um, that's what a lot of these restrictions are trying to block. It's specifically material IP, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, you know, just recently, um, uh, Peabody Coal designated uh, one of its uh, coal mines, I believe in Australia, um, it, it designated the entire entity as an unrestricted subsidiary. So, um, you know, it, it, and and then in um, in PetSmart, obviously, they, they transferred some of the equity of Chewy to an unrestricted sub. So it doesn't have to be under uh, material IP, but it, it, it generally has been. And I, I think the reason for that is um, it, it's a lot easier transferring a portion of IP than it is, uh, you know, to say transferring a quarter or a half of a factory. So, um, again, a lot of these restrictions uh, just try to block material IP, but some of them just try to block kind of any assets from being uh, transferred to unrestricted subs. That's really interesting. The reason for trying to block transfer of assets to an unrestricted subsidiary is that a, it, you lose assets from the restricted group that the bondholders have recourse to. And B, this unrestricted subsidiary could raise structurally senior debt at against those new assets that it's got from the restricted group. 
on the European side, we haven't seen this J. Crew maneuver being pulled other than in one instance this year, which is Olympic Entertainment, an Estonian casino company that transferred its online business and some Lithuanian land-based business to an unrestricted subsidiary. It was very controversial, and the bondholders are challenging that transaction. So one of the ways for investors to protect themselves against such value leakage is to have a J.Crew blocker inserted into their documents. Now, Peter, you've seen this J.Crew blocker much more often this year than we have in Europe. We saw it um, only in ThyssenKrupp Elevator where it was inserted post-pushback. In how many bonds have you seen it and what kind of issuers are required to give their investors a J.Crew blocker? Uh, well, we've seen it in a, in a, in a number of bonds, particularly uh, in th this year, it's, it's been uh, heavily weighted towards uh, secured retail issuances. So Gap, Abercrombie, uh, L Brands, uh, Michaels. Uh, but, you know, we've also seen it in some of the cruise lines. We've also seen it in some credit agreements, um, even one from Pitney, uh, Pitney Bowes, uh, dating back to, two, uh, to late 2019. So um, I wouldn't say these are kind of new thing, new kind of provisions. It's just that they're appearing uh, with a lot more regularity. Um, and, and of course, we've seen a lot more of them in the high yield bond market than we have in, in the leverage loan market. That's really interesting. Now, the devil always lies in the details. So yes, you might, you know, when you see your covenant package, you might have a tick box which says J. Crew Blocker present. Yes. But the question is, how is the J.Crew blocker drafted and what assets does it prevent the transfer of? And are there any other ways in which you can achieve the same result, which is leaking assets out of the restricted group into an unrestricted subsidiary, even if you have a J.Crew blocker? Peter, tell us more about that. Um, yeah, so... You know, generally speaking, under debt documents, there are two ways. Um, there are two kind of mechanics uh, through which you can get assets to an unrestricted subsidiary. You could um, you could designate a restricted subsidiary as an unrestricted subsidiary, um, and at the time, you know, before you designated that that restricted subsidiary could own uh, material IP, let's say, or um, and this is where a lot of focus has been. Uh, there is uh, companies generally have investment capacity um, that can be used to transfer assets to previously uh, design, uh, designated unrestricted subs. So um, you have you have one a designation um, and, and that only pertains to companies that already own the IP. And then you designate those uh, as unrestricted subs. And then once you have unrestricted subs in your structure, you could then transfer assets to them. Uh, so, so those are kind of the two ways you can do it. Um, and what these blockers have done, um, and in most cases, you know, they've been correct. They, they've had restrictions on designating um, unrestricted subsidiaries that own material IP. And then they also have restrictions on transferring material IP to uh, already designated unrestricted subsidiaries. But there have been a few examples. And most recently, um, it was in AM General's uh, 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 secured note issuance from uh, two weeks ago uh, in connection with um, with their LBO, where um, the, you know they came out with a new issuance. Uh, revisions had to be made, and one of the revisions was a uh, prohibition on transferring uh, material intellectual property to unrestricted subsidiaries. The problem is it did not include a corresponding restriction on designating. 
uh, material IP owning subsidiaries as unrestricted. So um, what, what that would allow the company hypothetically to do is, um, yes, it cannot transfer as, uh, material IP to an already designated unrestricted subsidiary, but it could take a restricted subsidiary that you know right now owns material IP and it can, uh, it can designate that restricted subsidiary as an unrestricted subsidiary. Um, the, the only thing you need to watch out for is that um, in order to designate unrestricted subsidiary, you need to have uh, sufficient investment capacity equal to the, the value of the assets at that uh, restricted sub. So, um, you know, let's say the company, the restricted subsidiary has $500 million worth of IP. You would need to have $500 million of investment capacity to designate that subsidiary is unrestricted. Um, assuming you do, you can get around that restriction on transfers of material IP to unrestricted subs by simply designating a restricted sub that owns material IP as a unrestricted subsidiary. So that's quite a neat way to circumvent your J.Crew blocker. Uh, very, yes. How often do you see uh, in the J.Crew blockers that you've seen that both limbs are, or both roots are blocked off uh, versus AM General, where only one route was blocked off. Yeah, so so the majority, uh, you know, have uh, restrict restrict transfers in both areas. So uh, you know, the majority of these uh, documents uh, correctly restrict them, correctly restrict uh, material asset material IP from ever being owned by an unrestricted sub. But uh, you know, every now and then, I'd say probably out of every ten that have a restriction on unrestricted subsidiary transfers, maybe one is deficient. So it's not too many, but um, you know it's important to 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 realize when you do have a deficient uh, blocker, uh, because the implications are, um, are 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 obviously could be quite serious. Um, there, there's one actually very interesting one. Um, this was uh, Agrofresh. It's a relatively small company in the U.S. It just uh, entered into an amended and restated credit agreement, and in the designation provisions. Um, it says, you know, in order to designate an unrestricted subsidiary, um, and then it had conditions, you know, A through F. And uh, one one condition was that the subsidiary could not own material IP, which is which is what you want to have. Another condition was that the uh, Agrofresh could not transfer assets to an unrestricted subsidiary. What's interesting, though, is that the conditions are all conditions that specifically need to be met in order to just designate the unrestricted subsidiary. Um, so. While it has a condition that the company cannot transfer assets to an unrestricted subsidiary, that only pertains to its ability to designate an unrestricted subsidiary. So, it's it what I, you know you can kind of read it, um, and I don't think it's particularly aggressively read. Um, if you end up ultimately uh, designating unrestricted sub, and then you transfer uh, material IP to it, you would no longer be able to designate any other unrestricted subsidiaries because it would be a violation of the designation provisions. But there's no actual ongoing requirement that the company cannot transfer assets to an unrestricted sub. It only that restriction is only applicable um, in order to designate unrestricted sub. I know it kind of sounds similar, but it, it, it's, it, it's a weird way of, of kind of putting in an ongoing, essentially maintenance test in what effectively is an incurrence test uh, structured uh, condition. So the takeaways from our little primer on J.Crew blockers is if there is material IP, that is a provision that investors should consider asking for, 
or indeed um, other material assets that investors want to retain in the restricted group. And B, make sure that all the routes for value leakage are blocked. And that is by reading the provisions really carefully or sending it to us so we can read them really carefully for you. That was really helpful. Nice speaking to you, Peter. Good speaking with you as well. Uh, take care. You too. Bye. All right, bye. Thank you.